fit what we're trying to do today. Uh, so let's, let's read real quickly Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 3. Have you found your place? Amen. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 3. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be in His house when He's here too, ain't it? I tell you, I love feeling His spirit and His presence, and I just love being around His people. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. More specifically, Paul says, let this mind be in you, this mode of thinking, this, 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 this thought process. Let this mind of, uh, be in you, which was also in who? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. One day every atheist, every non-believer, every Bible critic will kneel before the, the feet of Jesus, and they will cry out, Jesus is Lord, say amen. amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your anointing. God, thank you for your touch today. God, give us what we stand in need of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Brother Kendrick, you remain standing, if you don't mind. Uh, how many of y'all brought your Bibles this morning? How many of y'all brought your... Hold up, hold it up. Let me see them all the way across the building. Hold your Bibles up. You remember, we, are, we have an initiative we have an initiative right now, a drive, a, a goal to get everybody having a Word of God in their hand. We want you to have a Bible. Now, we know they are expensive. We know uh, sometimes they're, 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 just, they're just not cheap, but we've got some, and we want you to have one, all right? If you do not have a Bible, Brother Kendrick is right here. Uh, if you will see him right after the service, uh, he will make sure and put your name on the list. If, if, the ones we've already got for the list we made last week, uh, if we run out, we'll we'll, we'll order some more, but we want you to have the Word of God. How many of y'all believe the Word of God is important? Amen. You know, one day this could be banned and outlawed in our country. This, and I know you think that's not a possibility and that's not true, but it could very well happen. The way the things are going, and it's going to get worse, by the way. So we need to have the Word of God tucked away. We need to have it. So we want you to have it. We'll do whatever we can and whatever we have to do to make sure you have the Word of God. Amen? If you were a first-time attender this morning, we thank you for being here. If this was your very first time and you filled out one of those prayer request cards, uh, we are thankful and we want to pray for you. And we want to go ahead and take them up now. If you finish filling that card out, could you hold it up real, real fast? Just right down here, right in the, in the middle, down toward the front. Anybody else? Do we have any others in the back there? All right, church, let's, let's give the Lord praise for our first-timers being here today. Amen? Amen. I want, to, I want to take this morning, and we are going to finish up this series on what child is this. And we're going to talk about the destiny of this child. Destinations in his destiny. The word, the word destiny, I, I looked it up in, in Webster's Dictionary, and it says this, a predetermined course of events often held to be an irresistible power. 
Now, what does that mean? According to Scripture, the Bible says that Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the earth. He was predestined to do what we see up on this platform. He was predestined to become the Lamb of God, the substitute for man, the sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. Say amen. He was predestined. He had a predetermined course of events. And in this thing that we see, and, and, and as we look across this platform, we see his arrival, we see his birth, we see how he came, then we see what he did on the cross on Calvary. Uh, 33 and a third years old, he was crucified. He was hung and, 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 and brutally crucified to pay for your debt and my debt. Say amen. But then we see in Scripture, the Bible said he ascended up into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God. Amen. He is highly exalted. And we look at this Scripture and you say, what does Philippians have to do with this? It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Are y'all with me? And being found in fashion as a man, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was willing to be sacrificed. He was willing to surrender his life so that you might have life. Wherefore, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Are you all with me? Now through this chapter... Through these verses, we see the destiny. We see the predetermined course that God the Father had laid out for His Son on our behalf. The Creator coming to earth, becoming the creature to die for mankind. We see His destiny laid out. Now, here's the deal. We didn't come this morning for a history lesson. We didn't come today so that we could know more about God. There's so many of us know more about God than we're willing to practice now. Are y'all with me? There are people today that know, matter of fact, they know more about God than most everybody in this room today. But the problem is they don't know Him. And we didn't come today to know more about God. We came to know Him. We came to have a more intimate understanding of who He is and what He is to us. We want a personal relationship with Him, and we want to be better Christians. The Bible never was given to us so we could be great at history and we could know more about our origins and how we got here. That was not the purpose of the Bible. The Bible says, be not conformed into this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. God gave us his word so that we could transform our mind to think as he thinks, to be as he is. We are to be transformed, not conformed to this world, but transformed. Not to be molded by man and not to be molded by our culture. Not to be molded by our surroundings, but be transformed by the infusion of God's holy word into our thought process and our mind so that we could have power and we could have the hand of God in our life. Are y'all with me this morning? So with that in mind, with that in mind, I don't want to just tell you about it because this is just information. You can read that later. But what does this have to do with me? How does this relate to me? How does this relate to me? How does this relate? What does these places in the destiny and the destinations in his destiny, his predetermined course, what does this have to do with me in, in, in December 2011? Because, see, that's what it's all about. If you leave here with more Bible knowledge and you leave here the same way, we've, we've missed our target. We've failed miserably. But what does this have to do with us? 
let me share with you just a couple of things. Y'all staying with me here today? I want you to look at his arrival. He who was God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Uh, listen, all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And later on in the verse it says, and, and, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became man. The incarnate, it says He humbled Himself. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation. I look at that word no, uh, reputation, and it means to empty oneself. He emptied himself of all that he was to become man. You see what he did? I, and, and I can't help. I can't. And, and, and if you'll look up the word humble, it means to lower oneself. The creator became the created. Y'all with me? And I cannot help but see humility. I cannot help but see humbleness and Travis remind me to tell you later what I learned about humility and humble and why God humbles us and why God wants us to be humble I, I have no time to do it today but it's good no I can't do it here we go really it's good amen this relates this is what it has to do with us this is what this has to do with us I kind of got off track I saw a rabbit amen but I will not run it today. Amen. This has to do with our attitude. Say that word with me. Now here's the deal. Everybody has an attitude. The question is this. What attitude do you choose to have? I, I, I saw a t-shirt the other day. It says, I don't have an attitude problem. You just have a problem with my attitude, and that's not my problem. Amen. I wanted to buy it, but my wife has got an attitude and won't let me wear it. I don't know what her problem is. How many of y'all, we all have an attitude. And, and what, what, what kind of attitude does the Christian need to have? Because we're talking about right now. What, what, what do I need to be? See, I'm going to give you some stuff that you can walk out this door and do. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here, isn't it? We see a humble attitude. Look at the two verses before he, he says, let this mind be in you. Watch what he says. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I looked up that word esteem. That word means to consider or to think about. Esteem others better than themselves. Now watch this. Watch this next verse. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And you know what that means? That don't mean you're supposed to mind everybody else's business. What that means is you're, you're supposed to think about others before you think about yourself. Now, this is a real problem in Christianity today. Now, in, 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 now we're, we're, we're talking about Jesus, but how does it relate to us? I see humility. I see humility in this and in the life of Jesus by two things. By two things. First, A, if you're taking notes, A, by how he thought of others. We see his attitude in his thinking of others. Say that with me. His. Say it again. His. You say, where do you see that? I see that in the feeding of the 5,000. They're out here having a church service. Church service runs late. Had a long-winded preacher. Jesus, amen. It got late. 
and they said, hey, hey, we need to, you know, uh, 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 we got a crowd out here. We need to send these people home. Jesus said, no, no, no. He said, what are we going to do for them? And they must have been Baptists, say amen. Because the deacon committee got together and said, hey, we ain't got enough for all these people. We don't even have enough. We need to send them home. Let them go find their own food. But Jesus, no, 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 no. They don't need to leave. He's always thinking about it. And you know the story. I'm not going to go into the story. You know he fed all of them. But the point is he was thinking about them. Their need was first and foremost on his heart. Y'all with me? How about the, how about the children that, that, that parents were trying to bring to Jesus and the, and the disciples trying to shoo them away? Oh, come on, come on. He's busy. He's the king of the universe. I mean, he's the, he's the God of all gods. He's the prince of peace. Get away from him. And he said, hey! Suffer the little children to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of God. He was thinking always about others. This is a reflection of his attitude. And according to Scripture, the Bible says, let this mind be in you. How much do we think about others? Or are we the center of our universe? And everything and everybody's supposed to Let me tell you something. If you're missing Wednesday night Bible study in here, you need to quit whatever you're doing on Wednesday night and start showing up. Because God taught us something Wednesday night about pride. We, we don't think we have pride. We don't think we have an issue of pride. But pride won't wait on nobody. Pride don't have time for nobody. Everybody, we'll pull up to a drive-thru, and if they don't have our biscuit out to us right then, we get all tore up. And we have no idea that the fact is the person behind that counter has probably been on a 12-hour shift, probably wore slam to a frazzle, probably don't have nothing but hell at home waiting on them and, and don't have much to live for in their own mind, and we're crying because we don't have a biscuit in 13 seconds. Listen, I was listening to a radio one day. I was listening to a radio show one day, and they were interviewing, they were interviewing steward, uh, not stewardesses, waitresses, and waiters and this is what they said nobody that we work with wants to work on a Sunday everybody hates working on a Sunday and I thought well what's that about I'm sure they probably make you know that's busy on Sunday they make this I wonder why they don't want to work on Sunday so dumb I'm so dumb they said this is why because church people are the rudest people all week long and they do not tip I can understand that amen and I'm thinking wait a minute and this bothered me I mean this shook me up it shook me up enough I called the radio station I said I'm a pastor and I promise you all you waiters and waitresses I will deal with this Sunday morning and I did listen we're Christians. We are God's people. We are saved folk. We're supposed to be the redeemed. We're supposed to be the extra mile people. We're supposed to be the turn the cheek people. And waiters and waitresses in this lost and broken and dying world think we're the rudest people on the planet. We've got problems. That's not the mind of Christ. That's not a sign of humility. That is not what Jesus did. Man, he was always thinking about others. I don't care. 
I just said, that's just my makeup. That's just who I am. I demand my service. Man, you need to stay home and cook for yourself then. I said it. If you rep, and please don't tell him you go to temple if you're going to act that ignorant. Tell him you, no, I'm saying don't tell him. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Are y'all with me? Let's don't play church. We're not coming here for our health. We're not coming here just to be seen. We're coming here to change our life. Let's go out there and start acting more like Jesus. Listen, thinking about people. <laughs> How many of y'all know God will always test you when you hear a word? I knew what I was preaching this morning. I knew what God had put on my heart. And I knew he said, you need to start thinking about others more than you think about yourself. Yes, sir. I was on my way to church this morning, and I was late. I was bad late this morning. For some reason, I don't know what it is. I was just, whoo, I was out of this. I was late. And I was, I was coming, but I was not late enough to not stop at Jackson and get me a, a, a sausage and egg wrap. Them were wonderful. And I swung in there, and I got it on the fly, and I'm coming out, and I'm trying to open it up because I, I got to get it eight before I get there because I'm, I'm, be, I'm, I'm running late. And, you know, Jalen gets nervous when I'm late. Say amen. And I'm coming, and I'm in my car, and I'm trying to get this thing open and get wrapped on my knee so I don't get all over. And I look to my left just as soon as I come out of the, the Jack's parking lot and uh, right down here, and, and, and there was a car with a flashing light, or, or a truck with a flashing lights on sitting on the side of the road. And the guy looked like he had lost his best friend. And I, I said, boy, that guy looks frustrated. And God said, hmm, I wonder, he, I wonder if he needs some help. You know, God won't just tell you. He'll mess with you, won't he? Hmm, I wonder if he needs some help. I said, I don't know, Lord. He might. <laughs> Y'all think I'm crazy. I'm telling you, me and the Lord has these conversations. He said, you reckon you ought to stop and help him? Lord, I'm late. He can see Jax. He can walk over there. I'm telling you, this is my honest thinking. Right before I'm going to come tell you to think about somebody. How many of y'all know God won't leave you alone? I said, Lord, I'm late for church. He said, oh, okay, okay. I get it. See, God's sarcastic. He is. He said, I understand. You're too late to church, so you don't have time to be the church. Boy, why's he got to go there? All right. I pulled on over to that lane, and I turned around, I'm coming back. And as soon as I cross over here, I get about 100 yards from the truck, and it pulls out and takes off. Really, God? And you know what he said? Just checking. Now, y'all know I can't make stuff like this up. This is, this is ex I mean, to the T, I described to you just like it happened. God said, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. See if you're going to practice what you preach. Are you going to claim to be a Christian or are you going to act like one? See, this represents our attitude. It don't matter what we claim if we don't have a right attitude. 
And we see Jesus' attitude and his thinking of others. Not only his thinking of others, but Travis's treatment of others. His treatment of others. How are we treating people around us? Seriously. The Bible says that the disciples were fussing and carrying on about who was going to be the greatest and all that, and they were in the upper room, and he was the king. He's fixing to be crucified. Jesus knows in just a few moments because it said when he knew it was the end. And John, that's what it said. Knowing the time. The Bible says he got down and took off his outer cloak and put a towel around his waist and got down and tell me what he did. He washed their feet. My, what a picture of humility and humbleness and his treatment of others. Well, let me, let me read this verse. Let me read this verse. Now, now, now pay attention now. I'm, I'm not getting on to us. I'm just saying this is what God's want me to tell us because I got to work on this too. It says, let nothing be done. This is right in the same chapter. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem or consider or think about others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Watch what it says in Romans 15. In Romans 15, uh, it says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, for even Christ pleased not himself. Are we living our lives for everybody to please us? Are we living our life expecting that we're going to find great joy in life and happiness in life by what other people can do for us? According to this chapter... According to this chapter, Jesus said, he said, now I'm the creator and I have washed the creature's feet. I'm the master and I have washed the servant's feet. He said, if you'll learn this and if you'll do what I did, happy are ye. If you want to find real joy in your life, you will learn to have a right attitude and learn to treat others as you want to be treated. Have you ever heard that before? How's our attitude, folks? His arrival tells us a lot about our attitude, how we think about others, how we treat others. But then we move to his crucifixion, the cross of Calvary. It says, says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men. He was made humble. He came humble. He came with nothing. He had nothing. He had nowhere to lay his head. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. But then it says, and, and, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself even to death. Even He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Two words come to my mind when I think about this destination in his destiny. Two words. First is surrender. Surrender. In, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, he said, Father, I know all things, all things are possible with thee. All th- you can do anything you want to do. You can change this. You can stop this. You can, re- you can do anything. But, 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 Father, not my, but thy will be done. 
God, not what I want, but what you want. He was willing to surrender. 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 Give up. Let go. Now, I need everybody's undivided attention right here. I need everybody's undivided attention. There are so many Christians today living in this world miserable today because they cannot get this. They're holding on with a death grip of the life they think they want to have and they think they want to live. They don't want to give up something. And they think, but Lord, I'll, I'll, do, I'll go this far with you, but I'm not going to go the rest. I'm not going to give up this, or I'm not going to give up that, or I'm not going to let go. I'm, I'm only going to serve you this much, or I'm only going to give this much time to you, and I, I, I don't have time for all the rest. And, and, and we're wondering why we're so miserable. We're wondering why. We're wondering why we're not satisfied. We're wondering why we're never content. Because the things of this world will never satisfy. They will never bring true contentment. The only true contentment that will be found will be found in the perfect will of God. And if the perfect will of God is in a thatch hut in the middle of the desert in, in Africa somewhere, you will be happier than a man in a mansion in New York City because contentment is not found in merchandise. Contentment is not found in material possessions. But listen, contentment and joy and satisfaction is only found in the perfect will of God. But we don't get that. That's why God says if you save your life, you're going to lose it. I'm asking you to surrender. I'm asking you to let go. I'm asking you, we sing this song in the invitation, I surrender all, and we know we're lying through our teeth. I surrender all. Do we? This means surrender. This means not my will, but that. Do you have any Bible for that? Yes. Unless a man will deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Our, listen, our goal in life, our goal as a Christian is to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we cannot be a disciple till we first deny ourselves. I want to know the will of God for my life. No, you don't. You really don't. Because you're not willing to let go of your wishes and your desires and your plans and your dreams and, and your agenda so you can do God's will and God's not going to reveal His will because you won't give yours up. What's that mean? God's not going to grab the will while your hands are on it. He's not. Until you deny yourself. The last thing in this world I wanted to be, ladies and gentlemen, was a preacher. My dad was one. I grew up a pastor's son. There was a lot of grief, a lot of heartache, a lot of situation that I don't even want to go into. And that was the last thing. I said, God, I'll do anything else you want me to do, but I don't want to do that. You know, I was miserable. You know what's funny about surrender? When I finally did surrender, I didn't surrender. What do you mean? Because when I finally surrendered, I really got what I'd been looking for the whole time. I can't imagine myself doing anything else. I love my life. I, I'm telling you, I'm, what does that mean? God is the architect. He's the, he's the ultimate creator. He's the designer of your life. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every desire that you have, and he knows what will make you the happiest, and that's what he wants to do, but you've got to do it his way, and what we're trying to do is do it the devil's way. We're trying to do it the world's way. We're trying to do it our way and say, I got this, and you ain't because you're not happy. Amen. And God said, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Are you willing to take this morning and say, God, I'm tired of running my life? God, whatever you want me to be. If you want me to be a Sunday school teacher, if you want me to be a preacher, if you want me to be a missionary, if you want me to be a, a, a politician, 
If you want me to be a plumber, if you want me, God, whatever you... See, we've got to graduate to the point that we surrender. You can be saved and not surrendered. Amen, Travis? There's times God's called me in my life to do stuff, and I wasn't surrendered. I wasn't willing to do it. And guess what? I never found true fulfillment and satisfaction until I was willing to do what God had called me to do. And that will not take place without true surrender. Some of y'all need to let go, throw in the white towel. I mean run to this altar and say, God, I'm tired of running my life. I'm tired of trying to hold on to something that's slipping through my fingers, and I'm, I'm, I'm steadily finding that I'm not content with my life. You know what's funny? It's not funny. It's sad. It's we'll leave spouses trying to find contentment, thinking the spouse is what's going to provide that contentment. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No spouse has ever been born on this planet that can fill the hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. We're running around, running around. What's my job? I need a different job. We'll quit our job and go somewhere else. We'll quit our spouse and go somewhere else. We'll quit the church and go somewhere else. And, and the whole time God said, hey, won't you just let go and surrender and let me handle things? Amen? Surrender. Not my will, but thine be done. John said, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Two words, second word. Not only surrender, but the word sacrifice. The word sacrifice. It's going to get a little hairy right here. Put your seatbelt on. I feel a little turbulence coming. In case oxygen masks fall out the ceiling, put it on your child first. Before I'm just kidding. We do. It's not going to get that bad. I've always wondered, if we're fixing to hit a mountain, what's an oxygen mask going to do for me? I need a Valium to fall out the ceiling. and help, You know, I mean, I don't. What is the deal with that? I don't. I'm sorry. These subjects make me nervous. Sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your... Isn't it amazing that Jesus says, you completely sacrificing your life to me is just reasonable. Now, I know some of y'all think you sacrificed because you got up early this morning and it was cold outside when you come to church. You think that's sacrifice. When we talk about sacrifice, this is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus said, this is what I did for you. What are you willing to do for me? The word sacrifice means to give up something precious. See, we haven't sacrificed till we've given up something precious. We're tipping in the offering thinking we're sacrificing. We're just showing up in church and saying, okay, God, I've done you a favor this morning. We need help. Every team on that back wall back there, every team on that back wall back there needs help. We need people to help us. And we got people that comes to church every Sunday and enjoys the ministry that God has here and is not willing to help make it happen. You know why? Because they're not willing to sacrifice. Ministry's difficult. Ministry's hard sometimes. That's why Jesus said, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't be weary in well-doing because he knew doing, doing well caused you to be weary. For we shall reap if we faint not. It's, it's difficult. I know it is. It, it's difficult to come early, to be a blessing to somebody. To be a, to, uh, listen, 
to encourage somebody. I, I know sometimes that gets old. Sometimes it gets difficult. Sometimes it's a headache. Sometimes it gets monotonous. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes effort. Sometimes it ta- it's, it's hard coming to practice and, and, and singing those songs. But everybody else here, they, get, they are ministered by that. And, and, and we need to learn that it is a sacrifice. You know, why, you know why people quit ministry? Because they do it for me or they do it for the ministry leader instead of doing it for him. Well, that just wasn't for me. No, you, you, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. God does not want you to die for him. He wants you to die to self. He wants you to live for him because he's already died for you. Are you willing to sacrifice? I mean, honestly, what, what, what sacrifice is there just show up a little bit early to church? What kind of sacrifice is it just to shake somebody's hand in the floor and say, welcome to temple? Is it a real sacrifice, guys? I mean, come on. My wife showed me a picture. My wife showed me a picture. And it had, it had about four or five Somalian children who their ribs were sticking out. I mean, it just their bellies were swole because of starvation. And, and they were holding their hands out, most likely for food. And in, in, in the caption right beside it, it had uh, four or five people that looked like from Black Friday or whatever, and, and they had a buggy full of toys and stuff in there, and they're just like fighting each other. And in and, and the caption, if I remember right, it said, Real Need. The American Christian has no concept of the word sacrifice. And we wonder why the church in America is dying. I'm I'm just asking you. I need you to sacrifice. I need you to be willing to surrender and say, I want to help in one of those teams. We need help. We're growing so fast that we have to have four services, and we're stringing out the workers just to keep up with it because some people are not willing to sacrifice and help. You know what? I've done said enough today, Kendrick. I might as well just get it on out. You know what irritates me more than anything? Or the one thing... No, let me change my terminology. Do you know what one thing in my life I have never, ever wanted to be or to be labeled as or to be called a mooch? Now, if you don't know what that is, that's the guy who always shows up at the pizza party without helping bring a pizza. He's the one will come and enjoy your pizza, but he won't never put in something to help make it. Are y'all with me? The last thing I want to be is a mooch. I don't ever want it to be said or ever want it to be even notion that I'm not pulling my weight. But you know what? The church today is filled with Christian mooches who will come to the house of God and watch everybody else work to make it happen, but not willing to step up and take part. That don't need to be. Because they are dying by the droves out there. Sacrifice. Let me hurry up and get over here. This relates 
to our attitude. Say that with me. This relates to our, our attitude. This right here relates to our activity. Say that word with me. Our Say, what does this have to do with? The Bible says he, he, he humbled himself even to the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. What does that mean? The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, say it with me, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured this, despising the shame. He endured the cross because what was waiting on him. What's that got to do with me? I know sacrifice and surrender gets difficult. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I know it's hard sometimes. I know it is. Last week, when I come back for the last service, I was dragging. I'm telling you, I was dragging. And it, 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 I didn't jump out, Woohoo! let's go have church. I was saying, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. I was tired. And that cross carrying gets to be a burden. But he was able to endure that for the joy that was set before him. The Bible says that Paul was a country fellow. I know that because he used the word reckon. He said, Paul said this, I reckon. He did. It's in your Bible. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Are y'all with me? Get your King James Bible. It's in there. In other words, I reckon that everything you go through in your life, everything you sacrifice, everything you surrender, it can't even compare to what's waiting on you when you step on a street of gold and you see the walls of Jasper and the gates of Pearl and you sit down in the lap of your Savior. I'm telling you, you won't even look back at this anymore. It's kind of like that mama. Listen, in the, in, in the pangs of delivery in the pains of that baby being born. I mean, it's awful. It is excruciating. It is terrible. They say a mother is the closest to death at giving birth in any time in her life. And at that point, it is the worst thing in the world. It's just terrible. But when that baby is born and that baby is laid on her bosom and she wraps her arms around that baby, all of this is forgotten. And one day, every tear you shed every pain that you experienced, every heartache you ever had, every mile you ever traveled, everything that you ever went through in your life to serve God and put Him first in your life and put people before you, every single thing is being recorded. Everything will be rewarded. Say amen. Let's give God praise and glory for what's waiting on us. Listen. That's attitude. That's activity. This is anticipation. This is anticipation. We are anticipating an inheritance, uncorrupt, listen, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. God calls it the blessed hope. God calls it a lively hope. We have an anticipation. And so what does that do for us? That is a motivation to endure. This right here, knowing what's waiting on us, is a motivation to endure the cross, endure the sacrifice, endure the difficulty. It's not only a motivation to endure. It's a means to encourage. It's what I'm going to tell you to keep on because that's waiting. 
I wish to God I could stand before you, Travis, and say that I'm so spiritual. The only reason I'm, I'm sacrificing and doing all of this is because I love Jesus. But I'd be lying. And God knows that. That's why he gave us some motivation. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due time you shall reap if you faint not. Are you all with me? Say, so what's the point, preacher? Let's work on our attitude. Let's start thinking more about others than we think about ourselves. Let's start treating people like we want to be treated. Let's really find the will of God for our life and say, Preacher, I'm going to stop running. I'm going I'm, I'm to stop being a mooch. And I'm going to start pitching in. I'm going to find the will of God for my life in this church, and I'm going to start serving. It ain't going to be said that I'm not pulling my weight around here. I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm going to be willing to surrender and sacrifice because I know what's waiting on me. I know what Jesus has in store. As we close, I want you to think about this. At the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says we're going to give account for all our talent, our tithes, our, our treasure, our time that we have been given by God. This is what he's going to say. This is what he's going to say. Jesus is on the, on the throne. He's going to say, this is what I did for you. Now, now what did you do for me? Now, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to stand there empty-handed. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name.